Dear Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to come together, to share your truth among each other, to hear what's written in your scriptures, and to be able to decipher right from wrong, good and evil, truth and falsehood. And we thank you for the love that you have shown us, the grace and mercy that you've given us, even though we don't deserve it. Pray that as this word goes out, that it will encourage us, strengthen us and build us as we continue to walk in your will. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to start off by saying that the topic of deception is, or at least should be, the most pertinent topic for the believer in this season. Healing is, is a great topic. Uh, fellowship is a great topic. Encouraging each other. But deception. And when I mean deception, I mean contending. Standing for understanding. Looking deeply into truth. So we don't get deceived. And the truth that we're going to look at today. Is really about the progressive Christianity idea that has swept so many people off their feet. And we're gonna look at what Jude wrote to the believers and how it's really important to understand that we have to do more than just say we believe in Jesus Christ. We have to do more than just read the Bible. We actually have to stand up for what we believe in. Because if we don't, we're really not a follower of Jesus Christ. I know it doesn't fit the narrative particularly for today, but the truth is Jesus Christ himself said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him every day. Well, carrying that cross is ultimately the public show, if you will, the public display of standing on what you believe, that crucifixion, the 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 bad look, the weird response people give you because you won't shrink back in your faith. You won't go along with the current agenda. That's that's the cross. That's And that's standing, that's contending, that's fighting for what we believe. And it's important. In Jude chapter 1, Jude writes, A bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Verse 3, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I find it necessary to write you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to all saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jude writes his letter, he's not writing it to anybody. He is very intentional in his first statements. He addresses it, he said, to those who are called, 
sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Christ Jesus. He is writing to those who are still walking according to the truth of God's word. And he's telling them, because a lot of us here in churches, you know, we hear about the salvation. Uh, one of the biggest things, especially the uh, sinner's prayer. You know, if you said that prayer, you got saved today. It's a, the biggest prayer said in a lot of these churches, especially the progressive churches. And he's saying that it's important to talk about salvation. But what's more important, what's very, very pertinent, is that we contend for the faith. We fight for what we believe. And here's the reason why. If we don't fight for the faith, the truth of who Christ is, the word of God, then how are we actually getting people to come into salvation? If it's twisted, if it's manipulated, if pieces that are essential are left out, and when we try to give the, the gospel, but it's not the complete gospel, and are we really having people walk in salvation when we share this with them? The truth is we're not. Today, you know, it may seem as if the progressive church has exploded and came out of nowhere. But the truth is the progressive church idea has been around for a long time. And I don't want to get too much into the history of it. But, but it started in the late 19th century and it came out of what was called the Enlightenment Movement. And it was a result of many who thought that the gospel didn't fit the current environment. It didn't fit the industrial age, that the mannerisms were particularly for the time of when Jesus Christ and the apostles walked the earth. And as a result, they decided to uh, see that things could be changed as how it relates to the world, ultimately bringing the world's viewpoints into the church, the world's understanding of how people should operate in church institutions. And one of the biggest things that they showed was women were, according to society, not being respected, not being treated well. And they thought that this was the same idea for the Bible because there weren't women pastors, there weren't women leaders in churches. So they introduced this progressive way of thinking to say that we're going to change, you know, everything from how women operate to who's in charge and kind of tweak and twist the word of God to make sure that people were comfortable with the reflection of the church and the world at the same time. And it came out of what's called the Enlightenment Movement, trying to give people more insight, if you will, more truth about the truth. And this deep belief that they have has created this new age thinking of, well, love is ultimately love. And what they mean is just love everybody and let people do as they will. Now, do humans have free will to do as they choose according to the Bible, according to how God established mankind? Absolutely. But when it comes to the faith, when it comes to the truth of the faith, you can't just do whatever you want to do. Because if you do, then you're really not demonstrating the truth of the faith. You're demonstrating how you 
feel about the word, how you feel about the faith. And many people today don't realize that they're part of what's called the progressive church or progressive Christianity because they haven't looked into the Bible and read it for themselves. I mean, just being honest. Many people go to church today and they pull out their iPhones or their Android phones. And when the pastor say go to a, a scripture, they pull it up. But who's really reading into that? Who's really looking to see if what they're saying actually is in the Bible? I grew up in a time where there weren't phones in churches and you brought your Bible. And the pastor said, hey, listen, we're going to read from this scripture, right? When you found it, say amen. And now it's you go to church. And I remember a few years back, I went to one of the prominent churches out here in Georgia. And the pastor never said anything about open your Bible. He gave a scripture. And I brought my Bible to open up and I happen to be close to the front row. He looks at me and he looks down and sees my Bible and he just throws them all off. Because he's so used to running through the message, giving whatever he thinks about the message. And everybody else is just shouting amen or falling asleep or Googling or checking their uh, status or their updates or what's going on on social media. Rather than listening intently to what's being said. Because of that. Many are growing up in what's called a progressive church. And how do you know you're in a progressive church? Well, there's a few signs that you can look at that's obvious if you take the time to read the Bible for yourself. People are going to say certain things that just gives out those red alerts. Like, you know, the Bible is a human book. God didn't really write it. Man wrote the Bible. Or I don't really agree with what Peter was talking about after Jesus Christ. Uh, that went to the cross, you know, or, or Paul, you know, how do we really know he's called by God? Someone else wrote that. And then you also get this. I, I've been getting this a lot lately where people will tell you their perspective about God's word. I remember when I did attend some churches here a few years back, uh, being involved in different ministries at these uh, church institutions, and I would talk about certain things in the word and I will give certain uh, uh, either sermons or just you know simple statements whatever the case may be and I would hear a couple different things one was you know hey I like your perspective but more often I heard you know I don't really agree with your perspective that's how you see things when you start hearing statements like that and you are dealing with a progressive Christian or you're part of a progressive church because they are taking the facts of God's word and they're transforming them through their ideas or they're using his word and they're looking at it through what is today is very prevalent called subjective truth. That truth is actually not absolute, that there is some type of way to say, you know what, Jesus didn't really mean this when he said that or, you know, the Apostle Paul was a little off. Or one of the more bigger things I hear, well, that was doing their time. And we have to look at the mannerisms and how they were actually speaking to women or when they were talking about marriage or whatever the case may be. This is progressive Christianity. This is the Enlightenment thinking. And if you know anything about Enlightenment, it stems back to Illuminati and uh, Freemasons, Masonic which are all rooted 
and Satanism. But ultimately, it all goes back to the Garden of Eden. If you ever want to look at the truth of God and humanity, go back to the Garden of Eden. I gave Adam and Eve a simple command. There wasn't any deviation from that. He didn't, he didn't even make it complicated. He just said simply, eat from anything in the garden but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Simple command. Here come the enlightenment of the serpent who takes God's word, adds his version of it, serves it back to Adam and Eve. It feels good. It sounds good. Why wouldn't I want to be like God? When you look around and see that all God was able to do, how he formed the entire planet, how he put animals in the garden, how he created all these trees, why wouldn't I want to be like God? And he sold such a sweet tasting lie to them that they operated in a progressive way of thinking. And unfortunately, we are experiencing the aftermath of that. And it hasn't stopped today. It hasn't stopped. And what I love about the Bible so much, more than anything I can think of other than salvation and the fact that God is sovereign, I love the fact that everything we see today was foretold to happen long before it occurred. I mean, prophecy being fulfilled, seeing it happen before your eyes is such a tremendous experience for a believer. Because for me, it just really, it just really locks in on my faith. I can't even, I mean, I've been through so much. I faced 25 years in prison, came out of that scot-free. I've, I've been through two branches of military service. I've I've been homeless. I've, you know, been laying on my deathbed. I've had so many things happen to me to say, hey, you know, God is still on the throne and he'll make a way. But when you get to go to the Bible and you look at what's happening in the world today and you see that years ago, the very book people say, well, I don't believe they wrote that. I don't believe God wrote that. That doesn't look like his words. Well, I'm only going to listen to Jesus and not Paul. And you see right here that everything people are saying was already said to happen. Everything they're doing is already happened, prophesied to come. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 is one of the most prevalent things. He said, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart the faith, giving heed to spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to be married and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Listen to what he says in this phenomenal prophecy that we're seeing today. In the last part, he said, those who believe and know the truth. In the progressive church today, many believe. But they don't know, or if they know, they don't accept the truth. They believe that love means just love anybody, even accept the lifestyle they have. And the Bible says those things should not be among the believers. Period. You know, they say, I've, I heard someone say the other day, well, you know, it doesn't say that specifically that uh, God didn't, he didn't say specifically that uh, two men couldn't get married. Jesus never said it. So since Jesus never said it, it's okay. That's progressive thinking. That is the enlightenment thinking to say, we're not going to uh, hold you to the standard of the word of God because Christ never said it specifically. 
And you, a lot of churches are shifting this way now. And they're not just the mega churches or the televangelists. They're small churches. Small community churches are trying to, you know, fill their pews and show to the world that they're just this wide open acceptance. We are open. We, we will allow anybody to come in and you don't have to change because God loves you anyways. And we're all his children. And sadly, this is the deception that is ultimately leaving people to hell. Christ said, enter in through the narrow gate. He said, it's difficult. He said, if you go through the Broadway, it's going to be easy. It's, it's wide. And he also said, many will find it. And that way, the Broadway leads to death. But when you look around at the churches today who are trying to align themselves with the world, it's broad. Brought all the way across the spectrum, denominations, non-denominational churches, all of them. They're trying to adjust because end of the day, they won't, they really don't want to deal with the persecution that's inevitable. Paul said that anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not that you might deal with it. There's a possibility that you're going to deal with it. Many are conforming to the world today because they don't want to deal with it. They rather not only uh, make sure they don't get a black eye in the community, but, you know, they can keep the wealth that comes into these institutions. You know, when the churches shut down in 2020, there were so many pastors who went out and pleading for their members to come back to pay, pay your tithe. Stop robbing God. You know, bless the church, bless the people. Because they were looking at million dollar industries, million dollar businesses that are getting ready to collapse. And those million dollar industries were creating a very lavish lives for these pastors. Not to mention the people on their staff that were getting paid to come and do what was supposed to be God's work. Why does somebody have to pay you to sing for God? Pay you to oversee uh, as an elder, you know, that's, that's insane. But that's the progressive way of thinking that is causing many to fall into falsehood. And it's real clear in the Bible, it says that God said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Many people don't get into the word today. They don't take that time, set that time aside to really get into, well, what did God say? What was he saying when he said, uh, whatever he said, you know, it, it's important to know that, recognize these progressive churches. It's important to look at what they're talking about. Because today, like I said, you know, there's a lot of reinterpretation of essential scriptures. I mean, essential, not like something where it's just, you know, should I wear a long dress or a short dress? They're talking about the very things that has sent people to hell. Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Jew, he talks about this in, in, in verse 7. He said, As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar matter of these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. But if you tell somebody about Sodom and Gomorrah today, they say you are not a loving Christian. You hate people. 
you're a bigot. And the reason why they say that because they've given in to falsehood. Because Jesus Christ himself said that for this reason, he quotes Genesis when he talks about marriage. They tried to come after him regarding divorce, trying to manipulate him. He makes it very clear. Men shall leave his uh, mother and father and join with his wife and the two shall become one flesh. But they will even take that. I've heard it before and say, well, what is what does it mean to come together? Does that actually mean marriage? And then someone who thinks they're enlightened enough to uh, re redefine God's word will come up with another understanding and sadly start a ministry and get a bunch of people who are gratifying, who look to gratify the flesh that will come in and say, I'm glad that you start this ministry, Pastor, because I was feeling so alone. I was in the closet and I, I didn't know if I wanted to come out. But now you've you started this this love ministry and I can I can be free now. That's a that's a lie in and of itself. You know, there was a prominent pastor years ago that was part of the church in God, church of God in Christ. He came out and said that God will not send anybody to hell. That's, you know, apparently that's a wrong interpretation because God is a God of love. And when the, you know, when in a time where the church was trying to get it right, this, this particular denomination, I guess you want to say, um, when he said this, they, they told him you need to repent or, or we're going to basically remove all your money and kick you out of our denomination. And he didn't. And he went on or I think he wrote a book and started a movie about it. And he got he got a real huge black eye in the denomination, got extremely accepted in the world. But here's the problem. The same denomination was also before he came out and said what he said was operating in progressive Christianity. A lot of it that we don't look at, we think it's normal. We think it's what well, it makes sense because God's trying to reach people. You know, he's using all these different avenues, trying to save as many people as he can. So when we have these different events and we stamp Christian on it, that's God working. The Bible says that salvation comes through Christ, which is ultimately the word of God. And it's no progression in it. Jesus Christ said, I am the same yesterday, today and forevermore. How do we have to progress his word? Well, it's Satan. At the end of the day, it's the devil, and that's his objective. It's a, his objective is to get you to move in a way that, that helps you believe that God's word is not enough, that we need some additives, some extra ingredients, that we can move into the direction which God has called us to move into. But at the end of the day, we're lost, confused. And we're missing the mark because we're on the broad road. It's so important in this season to really look at the difference between the narrow road and the broad road. That is what every believer should be looking at right now. Because Jesus Christ talked about how the narrow road is difficult. It's challenging. It's tough. It's not easy. But the broad road, it's an easy path. So when we're looking at these two and we're walking through scripture and we're starting and we look up and we see that every time there's some type of trend going on in society and the and these churches make an adjustment to accept the trend we have to know through spiritual discernment that this is the broad road 
If we don't realize that, we're walking that path. I have to get out of this mindset, well, that's my preacher. That's my pastor. Because Paul and Christ and the other apostles talked about how there will come a time where false prophets, false teachers, false apostles will come up and deceive people. They will give them things that will help them appease the flesh. We have to look at it. Or we'll find ourselves being led astray. We have to stay in the will of God. We have to read his word. Day in and day out. And if we are keeping company with people. Who are not living. As Christ commanded us to. We're going to end up walking down their street. We're going to end up doing the same thing they do. It's inevitable. It's tough as it is. To not do the things. That we shouldn't do. That come to our own mind. Say things think certain things, act in certain ways. Then we enter to a, a group who are doing things that are not according to the word of God. Now we're fighting against our own thoughts and ways plus theirs. That's why Paul said, make no mistake, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. You know, Paul said in Romans 12 verse 9, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. Or what is evil, cling to what is good. Said, don't hate the person who is out here living contrary to the word of God. These progressive false ideas of Christianity, of, of the faith, the way. He said, abort it. He said, hold on to what is good. It's so important because, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, I don't have a problem with telling people God's word. I don't, it doesn't bother me one bit what you think about me. Because it's not about me. You know, today it's about God and the truth getting put forth in the world, preaching the gospel as he commanded us to. But it's been a, a lot lately of uh, people who are upset and frustrated because I just tell them what's written in the Bible. Christ said this is going to happen. He said, if they hate you, know that they hated him first. So, But as far as this progressive Christianity goes, we have to be attentive to what we hear and what we see and test everything. And Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says, But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly, not according to, to, to tradition he have received from us. A lot of people of the progressive church will fight this scripture. They will refute it for two reasons. One, because Paul wrote it. And two, because... It doesn't look like a statement of love. What do you mean to leave someone, to withdraw someone who is walking disorderly? Just love everybody. Just accept all. And that's, that is a lie straight from hell. And the reason why? Because in the end, Jesus Christ is not accepting everybody. He's not going to stand for everybody. He's not going to intercede on judgment day for every single person. He won't. He said, if you are ashamed of me and my words, he said, on that day, he said, I will be ashamed of you. In the courthouse, when it's time to go stand before the judge, he said, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Not just me, because everybody now say, all these progressive churches, any church that says they're a Christian church, everybody say they believe in Jesus now. I saw a post here just today. Billions of Christians love Jesus, do you? Somebody asked, how many billions? <laughs> Everybody says they love Jesus, but Jesus Christ said this. He said, 
ashamed of me and my words that I'll be ashamed of you. Here comes the serpent, slick and sly, coming in with the conniving twisting of God's word. It says, hey, listen, just say Jesus and you locked in because he loves everybody. He did away with sin, so it's okay for two women to get married. That's not sin. He took it to the cross, perverting the scripture so that they can progress in their own self-enlightenment of really a lie. But when you look at the progressive church, you have to see what's really going on. And I'm talking about so much the systems of the church as far as like the audio system or the music. A lot of those things are telltale signs as well. Listen mostly into the word of what they say and what they do. I mean, obviously, there's the blatant two men walking down the aisle getting married if you are a believer of the absolute word of God. You know that's wrong. But there's all these little twists that Satan comes in that may not be as as broad, as as, as wide open as, and exposed, but there's little things. There's little things that come in. I heard someone say that sin doesn't separate us from God. Because we're all made in his image. But I, I, I want to tell you one of the best things you can do. When someone says this is what they believe and this is the truth, ask them to show you that in the Bible. And I have yet to find a single person who's been able to come out and actually show in Scripture the sin they agree with to be justified. Not one, because you can't. It may take their version of it, their perspective of it, but they can't tell you specifically that uh, two men are authorized to get married, that it's okay for a pastor to promote tithing, that it's a good thing that we are part of the nonprofit organization. You, you can't find it in the Bible. In fact, everything that progressive churches stand on today, you can find scriptures that refute every single thing they believe. Are we are called to love? Absolutely. Part of that love, when you're walking as Christ, is telling people the unadulterated truth. And you know what's the unadulterated truth? When people can't stand it. When they hate it. When they run from it. They don't like it. A lady told me earlier today on uh, one of these posts and said, you know, God gave us free will. So we can believe in any God we choose. That's why he gave us free will. Show me that in the Bible. So we have to contend for the faith. Understand that. Understand what that really means. It doesn't mean allowing passive, being passive about things that are said regardless of who they come from. Because if you don't uh, test everything you hear, it'll eventually take root in your life. It'll eventually hold you in a place of bondage. And a lot of times we don't even realize we're in bondage because it's become such a custom to us. It's like how they, they train elephants. They put these around their legs, these huge like handcuffs <laughs> around their feet, their legs. And every time they try to get away, it, it holds them in place. And they're yanking on it and yanking on it until eventually they stop fighting. And then while they unhook the elephant, detach him from the chain, the, the cuff is still on his, is around his ankle and he believes he can't go anywhere. That's how they get them huge huge animals to hang out in the zoo <laughs> because it became a comfortable and accepted thing. So in this season, what we're 
of dealing with the enemy's shenanigans, his prophesied to come progression of churches, departing the faith, giving into deceiving spirits and seducing doctrines, we have to be very tentative where we spend our time and who we listen to. It's important. I heard a, a pastor say the other day, you know, somebody who I've listened to for quite a bit now, he said that, you know, my my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they won't follow. They quoted Jesus Christ. But then they said that a, that a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ can have their life destroyed by a false prophet. But that doesn't make any sense, according to the Bible. If Christ Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and the stranger they will not follow, then how is a person of, of, of Jesus Christ, a person that believes or is a disciple following him, getting their life destroyed by a false prophet? Sometimes people can get so deep and profound that they miss the surface, never even hit it. I used to follow the, the teachings of Miles Monroe. If you ever heard of the guy, very prominent pastor. And I read as a kid, three of his books and they were all on potential. I believe one was, uh, discover your potential, releasing your potential, maximize your potential. Very good books. And I was excited to read them as a kid, especially for somebody who didn't really take, wasn't too fun to reading <laughs> growing up. Then at, I got older and I started to look into the ministry of what he was talking about, the things that he was saying. And more and more, I started to hear about this prosperity, how God wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to have money. All these different things that he was saying that really didn't match the word of God. And one thing that always stood out to me, and I didn't understand this when I was younger, but I do now, was how many pastors Various denominations or non-denominational will come forth. And before they get to preaching the word of God, they will hold up about two or three of their books. to talk about their new book they got for sale and how this book is going to help you draw closer to God. How it's going to help you overcome whatever it is that you're dealing with. And they'll start preaching the word of God. That's progressive Christianity. How come God's word is not enough? Why do we need what you think about God's word? But I don't think anybody on this call haven't listened to or even been in a church that haven't experienced this. Some of the most profound speaking, best-selling authors are leading people astray. You cannot find nowhere in the Bible Jesus talked about prosperity. Nowhere. That was never his intent to make you wealthy and rich. It was never his plan. And here's how Satan grabs so many of us into this lie. We grow up in a impoverished community. We have parents and grandparents who didn't really understand wealth and money management. So we go out and we get into a university where we already start building debt. Then we get credit cards. And then we, get a, uh, we, we, we finance a vehicle. And then some of us, we get mortgages. And we get all these different things on lease. And then we're hurting financially. We're struggling. We're trying. We're, bal we're, we're balancing our, our checkbook. And it's not like we should balance it. Because our, the way we're balancing is, well, I'm going to pay the gas bill today, but not the light bill. you know, Or I'm going to 
sacrifice this bill to pay that bill. But all the while, we're living in a leased and financed lifestyle. Interest and all these different kind of unnecessary payments because we want this, we want that. We don't need it, but we want it. Here comes Satan come along with this. You need a blessing from the Lord? Well, God told me to put this, this word out that you, if you give $100 today, he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing where there not be room enough to receive it. Given it shall be given to you, pressed down and shaken together, running over shall men pour into your bosom. So we are already going through a financial struggle. We lack the understanding of money management. And then we take from money that we need to pay on bills and put it into a nonprofit organization that gets taxed right off on that money. And then we wonder why 20 years later, we still broke. I thought Jesus said he come here to give us life and life more abundantly. Perverting of the scriptures to help fulfill the desire of a progressive Christianity. You know, we don't take the time to look into the word of God to realize Jesus Christ never in any of these statements or the apostles was referring to finances. In fact, Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, he was telling them to stay away from people who don't live as they should. So in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, he said, But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the traditions in which you receive from us. He says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toiled day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. So you got people in the church today that show up for a paycheck, show up so that they can preach a message and that you put into their pockets and in the day they're they're these ministers and evangelists and staff on the church are burdening the church members he said they paul and his authority being who he was called by god as the leader of the gentiles he said we have the authority but instead we went and got a job and we paid our bills and we worked day and night so that you guys don't have to stress out we don't see that today in the church especially the prominent places I don't believe that for a moment that we as believers ought to be broke. If you're barely making ends meet and you're struggling, you're trying to stay afloat and you attend the church of a multi-millionaire pastor, there's something wrong with that. There's definitely something wrong with that. But we're so eager to hear things that make us feel good and watch this person become a quote-unquote superstar in the faith now, we never ask ourselves, why is he filthy rich and I'm broke? How come he has a personal jet and I'm catching the bus to church? And it gives off this impression that he has more anointing than the person that's sitting in the pews. But this never happened during the time that Paul, I mean, if anybody should have had the lifestyle, should have been Paul. I mean, Paul was preaching a man fell out of the window, died, and Paul raised him back up. And Paul still went back to work, paid his bills, wasn't dependent on the church to pay his bills. These are things we have to ask ourselves when we sit back and we listen to these people speak who say they are ministers of Christ. Because one itsy-tensy little bitty lie 
attached to a little bit, just a little bit of lie, attached to a massive amount of truth is still a lie, period. You know, someone was telling me the other day that, you know, the thing that Disney is doing now, going after children with this disgusting perversion of sexuality, you know, the rally for Disney to get shut down is much more significant than it was than it is for when Coca-Cola and Nike went into this wokeism thing. Said it's, it's bigger now. The, the wokeism of those two companies weren't as big as Disney. I said a little poop is the same thing as a lot of poop, period. You can't excuse it. Your salvation depends on it. Your walk with Christ depends on it, period. And we have to detach ourselves from contaminated truths and understand what it really means to be a progressive church. It ultimately means that the word of God is not fact. It's really feeling-based. It's subjective to how I feel about God's word rather than what the word says and how we ought to follow the word. So for the sake of doing God's will and being found uh, obedient unto his will, we have to look into the scriptures. We have to look into the truth so that we're not led astray and that we are truly holding to his, his word. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 it says, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. These things command and teach. And then teach. And skipping down to verse 15, Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for doing this, you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. If we want to see our salvation and the salvation of others, we have to give them the truth, not the truth of what's trending in society. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the word that you allowed to be shared tonight. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your truth. We know that the enemy is out to deceive all who do not love the truth and want to be saved. But we are going to continue to give you all the glory, the praise, and the honor, walking in your will and not ours. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.